Welcome to VOCM Profiles. It's Noah Shepard here with you in the big chair today, and we are speaking with Greta Warner of Greta and the Goldfish. I can't wait for the night when I lose myself at the bottom of a bottle of wine, and I don't know why I feel the need to glorify the destruction of my liver, the destruction of my life. Greta, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you doing, Noah? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, so just first off the top, um, for those who don't know, what is it that you do? Uh, so I am a musician. Uh, I front the band Greta and the Goldfish, uh, and I write the songs. So yeah, we do a lot of gigging around town. We released a record last year. Uh, we're, we're out and about. <laughs> it's pretty easy to find us. And where are you originally from? I'm from here. I grew up right downtown. Uh, my mother is also a Newfoundlander. My father's Irish. But uh, yeah, I am a townie through and through. <laughs> How was that growing up in uh, downtown St. John's? It was really cool. Um, I have very artsy parents. My mother is a visual artist and my father is a writer. So not only did I grow up downtown, but I grew up around a lot of uh, eccentric arts types, which definitely influenced what I wanted to do for a living. Um, but no, I still love downtown. I still live downtown. It's uh, it's home for sure. So uh, you mentioned there that you uh, you have very artsy parents. How did you get your start in music? Um, oh, God. I mean, I've been playing it for as long as I can remember, really. Like, I, my mother taught me to play a bit of piano when I was about six years old, and I was in band in school growing up. I started writing songs when I was about 10 or 11, because my sister was also into it at the time. And, you know, cool big sister, I wanted to be just like her. And, uh, yeah, I've just been, you know, it's all I've ever really known how to do, and it's all I've ever really wanted to do. <laughs> You went through the CNA music program, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So how was that experience? It was really positive in a lot of ways. You know, um, I met some of the best friends I've ever had. I learned a lot about the industry and about my craft. And, you know, it was really good to just be able to devote my time, and my energy uh, to what I wanted to do and to uh, developing my skills and developing my voice. And I also met my bassist, Christian Spencer uh, from The Goldfish. He was a year ahead of me in that program. And that's how we ended up being bandmates and good friends. So how has been uh, that partnership, you know, working with him? Oh, it's incredible. He, um, just has this really instinctive, like, I feel like we're just on a wavelength a lot of the time. He uh, just instinctively knows kind of what sound I'm going for uh, and what kind of bass I want. You know, I like a really busy bass part. I like a lot of notes and a lot of rhythms and a lot of stuff happening. And I think, you know, as an incredibly talented bassist, he is amazing. And everybody who sees our shows says it. Um, he has a lot of fun with that. But he's also great at pivoting. He's also great at listening. Plus, he is an admin superstar. He writes grants for us. He does a lot of correspondence. Christian is amazing to work with. Yeah, that, I mean, uh, I think that's a lot of uh, the side of the arts world that a lot of people don't get to see is uh, there's a lot of admin. How do you find that for the band? Oh, it's, uh, it's an undertaking for sure. Um, I mean... 
I personally don't find it too daunting, nor does Christian, um, because he and I both did the CNA program, which prepares you pretty well for that. And I've also worked a couple arts admin jobs, but it's a, it's a slog. There are some days when you're like, I just want to meet up with the fellas and play some funny songs and have a good time. But instead, you've got to sit down and do a budget or write a grant or send a bunch of emails. And, you know, it's not the most fun part, but it is the part that allows you to do fun stuff. So unnecessary evil i guess <laughs> absolutely um you originally started playing uh just solo stuff right i did yeah yeah so uh take me through you know um how different has it been from you know your original solo gigs and now playing with the band oh goodness i mean it's, it is very much a different beast and to be honest, I much prefer playing with the band. Um, I'll play solo if necessary, but it's never my preference. Um, being Performing solo is a lot more vulnerable. It's just, you know, you and your guitar and all your feelings in front of a room full of people. And I also used to primarily perform solo with a loop pedal, so I was making a lot of uh, live loops, which is really fun but if it goes wrong then you're stuck with something looping over and over that is wrong and you have to try to work around it um whereas playing with the band is just this incredible energy and this feeling of having a, a security net on stage i guess you know if i make a mistake i've got three incredibly talented musicians to pick up the slack and cover for me and we all do that for one another um so yeah, I, I love the guys. I love working with them. It's a, truly my pleasure to do. So how did you, uh, all of you guys, uh, you know, first come together to create the band? Uh, well, I knew that I wanted people to back up my solo music because I felt that I was hitting a bit of a wall in terms of what I could do live. And also, you know, like on my old recordings, my little home recordings I made in high school, I would play all the instruments and I could get by, but I wasn't great. So I wanted people who were better at what they did than I was. Um, so Christian was the first one I reached out to. And I didn't know much about him at the time, to be honest. All I knew was we were in the same program and he was one of two people who played the bass. Uh, and then the first time we jammed, it was just this instant musical chemistry. I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm keeping this guy. Um, and then Aiden Langer, who is our uh, lead slash other guitarist, backing vocalist, uh, synth player, he's kind of our everyman. Uh, I met him because I was living in a basement apartment on New Cove Road, and he was living in the house above me. Um, so we kind of connected that way. Uh, I was looking for musicians. He was already in a bunch of bands. Uh, and that's how we also connected with our first drummer. He was also living in that house, but sadly he had to leave. And uh, our current drummer, Rain Miller, ended up coming into the fold because he was in a ton of other bands who we had shared a lot of bills with. And we knew he was really talented, and Aiden had worked with him already in other bands uh, and recommended him, and he just slotted right in. You mentioned there, uh, you know, uh, the person above you playing music and you're playing music in the basement. Did you just let, hear them through the floor or how did that first connection happen? Yeah. So when I was living in that apartment, um, I was living with my now ex-partner and he is actually the brother of Aiden. So that's how that that's how he ended up in the house. And that's how we ended up meeting. And, uh, you know, despite the way that relationship went, I still have a great working relationship with Aiden. So silver lining, I guess. There you go. You got something from it. 
shirt is. Yeah. So and now you know, um, working with the Goldfish, you guys start playing gigs together. What's the first thing that stuck out to you uh, just as you're getting started on stage together? Oh, the first thing that stuck out to me. Well, I think there were two main things. Number one, I was just kind of floored by the experience of playing with a full band because, you know, I had been in cover bands in high school, kind of casual stuff, but I had never been in a real serious kind of band. And I had never shared my songs with other people, other musicians on that level. So I felt this real kind of chemistry of, you know, oh, i you know, these people are here to back me up and these people kind of get what I'm trying to do and help execute my vision. And that's amazing. But the other thing I really felt was that pretty quickly within our first couple of gigs, I felt that we were more than the sum of our parts. Like, you know, the guys and I all have different influences, different skill sets. Um, but I think those things come together in a really interesting way to create something that is distinctly the goldfish that no one of us could really recreate independently. Uh, and just, you know, from an audience perspective, uh, catching your guys' gigs, uh, it just always seems like you guys are having so much fun playing together. And um, you mentioned there, like, it just started with you and Christian jamming. And that kind of comes across on stage. Is that uh, the environment that uh, you guys see as well when you're up there? Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a lot of fun. We're... Uh... Like, even at rehearsal, we are uh, not a band with a tremendous ability to focus. Like, you know, we focus enough to get things done, but we'll go off on weird little musical tangents all the time. I think all of us just really love playing and writing and doing what we do. And I think each of us feel that the others in the band are very talented. And I think we all enjoy working with each other. So, you know... For me, at least, I can't really speak for the other guys, but I get the sense that for them as well, there is just a great deal of joy and a great deal of play that goes into doing what we do. And I'm glad that that comes across on stage. Is there any growing pains between, you know, doing your solo stuff with a pedal and now moving to, you know, full stage, full band? A little bit, yeah, in that I just feel like I'm inhabiting a little bit of a different musical world like the types of gigs i'm playing the types of musicians i'm playing with you know i uh for a long time felt very much slotted into the kind of singer songwriter category which is great but it wasn't really what i wanted to do um and then what felt like overnight i found myself in a rock band and that was definitely an adjustment for me personally because that was an environment I'd never worked in before. So it required, um, you know, honing of different skills. Like I had to work on my guitar playing a lot because, you know, even though I've taken lessons since I was a kid and I did practice, it went from being, um, I guess, more of a utility, more of a vehicle for my songwriting to something that I wanted to be better at independently. You know, I wanted to be able to solo. I wanted to be able to keep up with Aiden. Um, so I guess just the kind of switch in genre that happened to my songs when I started working with the band, uh, even though that was absolutely the direction I wanted to go with, was definitely an adjustment in terms of developing my craft, in terms of workflow, uh, and all that stuff. Before we get up to the break here, I'm going to ask you what I believe is probably the most difficult question for any musician to answer. But uh, if you had to describe it, what is the sound of Greta and the Goldfish? Ooh, um, I think 
We usually say indie rock. Um, I think that's the best, which, you know, indie rock is kind of a non-genre. It can be so many different things, which I think is why we use it. But, you know, it's uh, it has a solid rock foundation, but it's, uh, it's a little funky. It's, it's a little not like other rock bands. <laughs> so, yeah, indie rock. All right, so we're up to our first break here on VOCM Profiles. I'm speaking with Greta Warner of Greta and the Goldfish. It's Noah Shepard speaking with Greta Warner of Greta and the Goldfish. So we've been talking about, you know, uh, the sound, getting together with the Goldfish. What was that first album uh, process like? Oh, the first album was, well, I... (laughs) The first thing I want to say about it, the first thing I always say about it is that it's probably the coolest thing I've gotten to do in my 20 years of life so far. Um, It's always been a dream of mine to make a record. I, you know, so it was just such an incredible thing to do. Um, The process of making the album was really interesting because that album was about five years of material for me. Those songs, the oldest song on the record was written when I was 14 and the newest song on the record was written the summer we started recording it when I was 19. Um, and so it was really interesting to kind of, you know, like I do have a style in my songwriting, but to take the band and kind of create something, a, a cohesive sound across what to me felt like a very long period of songwriting and a very long and transformative period of my life. Um, but once we got into the studio, it was mostly just a laugh. Like, yes, we were working hard, but uh, we recorded at Michelle LaCour's home studio. She's an amazing local audio engineer. um, And she was so professional, but also just welcoming and inviting. You know, we drank a lot of tea. We hung out with her cats. Aiden took a nap on her couch one day. Um, So it just, you know, felt like a lot of creative people having fun doing what they love to do. And that was a really, really lovely experience. Do you think that sort of uh, more relaxed, laid back uh, process, but also environment to record in, uh, do you think that's optimal? For us and for me, I think so. I mean, it's not like (laughs) we've ever had the budget to go into a really high-end studio or leave the island to record or anything. But I think that's kind of our our ethos as a band is we like to keep things, you know, a little bit scrappy, a little bit DIY on a certain level, um, despite, you know, trying to create a professional sound as well. I think we're all really at the end of the day, just a bunch of young people who are really big nerds about music. And a lot of our process is just the exploration of music as a form and trying to have a good time with one another. So in that regard, yeah, the relaxed aspect is pretty perfect for us. Um, As well, you mentioned, you know, uh, these were songs that were written over a five-year period uh, by yourself as young as 14. And then when you're 19, how do you see yourself grow throughout that period just through your writing? Ooh, um, well, <laughs> the subject matter is interesting because it, to me, because it changes and it doesn't. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the trials and tribulations of a 14-year-old and a 20-year-old are very different. But um, 
the kind of perspective I have on things, the kind of voice I have, I think, has remained fairly consistent, uh, I believe, anyway. I think the biggest change in my songwriting has uh, just been learning more about my craft. Like, anybody who knows me knows I'm a total music theory nerd, and I still have a lot to learn about it. But, you know, I'll be sitting around with my friends listening to a song, and I'll be like, oh, that's a nice use of the half-diminished. So I think just learning that toolkit and applying that toolkit has been one of the biggest changes from my perspective. And uh, also over that period, which songs were that? Which uh, which one was your earliest written and which one was your latest? Uh, so they're actually... We didn't plan this, but it worked out that they were the top and bottom tracks of the album. So the following day, which is the opening track of our record, was the oldest on the album. That was written when I was 14. And then the closing track, uh, the title track, Not To Be Outdone, uh, was written a couple of weeks before we went into the studio. Interesting. So you guys, uh, something I've noticed is you take uh, subject matter and inspiration from a uh, from a couple of uh, really interesting places. I know uh, one of, uh, I believe it was the single off the album, uh, mm-hmm. Laika, the space dog. For those who don't know, what is the story of Laika? Uh, yeah, so Laika, uh, it's, it's a pretty sad story. Um, Laika was a Russian dog. She was a street dog from Moscow. And uh, during the space race, I believe it was was sometime in the 1950s. I don't know the exact year. Um, You know, the Russian government took Laika, trained her up, and sent her to space. And they sent her there with the knowledge that there was not going to be a return trip, that she was going to die up there. Um, And, you know, I think the kind of tragedy of that story and that poor little dog. If you look her up, she was adorable. Um, I think that resonated with me, but I know it also resonated with a lot of people. Like I know Arcade Fire also has a song that was inspired by her. Um, It's a great story, but a sad one for sure. And how do you take that story, that emotion, and instill it into the music? Well, I think that for me, using those kind of stories, those kind of narratives is, uh, is a tool to access I guess my own perspective and my own emotions about any given situation in my life. Um, you know, it's, uh, to me, it's hard to write songs that don't feel overwrought where I'm just really directly talking about my feelings or my experiences. And I am a confessional songwriter. So that is usually what I'm talking about. So for me, Laika was kind of a gateway, you know, this sort of, little street dog who came from nothing and found herself in this foreign place all alone um, reminded me of my father who moved here from Ireland when he was 17 um, and found himself alone in a house on the Marchant Road watching the prices rise. Uh, and then, you know, I guess the through line between Laika's story and my father's story and mine was loneliness. Um, so I think those narratives just allowed me to access that kind of feeling using that do you find it therapeutic in any way or is it just the process it's definitely therapeutic um i mean i say this to people in my life all the time when they ask about my songwriting usually i can't write about something until it's over so for me um to write a song about something that i've experienced is kind of an act of summarizing it and is kind of an act of making it digestible for myself so for me, it's about striking a balance between being honest about my experience and my feelings while also creating a piece of work I'm proud of 
and also not taking myself too seriously. You know, I try to write with humor. I try to write with a little bit of self-deprecation just to keep things interesting and just to keep myself honest. Um, But it definitely is therapeutic at the end of the day, for sure. Something I've really noticed about you guys lately is you're everywhere. Like every, every time I see a gig in town, you guys are on the bill. It's been a busy year. Yeah, it certainly has been. I mean, we're very fortunate to be getting offered so many gigs. We really appreciate the support from the community, uh, the support from other bands. Um, These days, we're actually trying to dial back a little bit because over the summer, we got so busy, we started to burn ourselves out and we kind of went, okay, let's be a little bit more selective. Let's give ourselves a little more room to breathe and room to rehearse and work on new material. Um, But yeah, we are still gigging quite a bit, which is so fun. We all love performing. We all love going to shows. We love seeing other bands. We love working with other bands. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really lovely. And you mentioned there the community. Uh, how tight-knit is the, I, I guess specifically, like the uh, the indie-style music community in St. John's? Because I think it's a lot bigger than a lot of people assume. It certainly is, yeah. Um, but it's small in that um, there's a lot of carryover between different bands and different shows, you know, like um, a lot of people work in a lot of bands like Aiden, I think is in something like five bands now. Um, So in that way, once you start working with a lot of those bands, it becomes pretty easy to develop uh, a kind of mental map of a lot of the people in that scene. You know, a lot of people are roommates, a lot of people are dating, a lot of people are best friends, a lot of people are in bands together. So it definitely is bigger than you'd think it is, but it's also very, very tightly woven in so many ways. And so once you get integrated into it, it's pretty easy to know a lot of people. Another thing I've noticed is you guys have some diehard fans. I see your merch everywhere around the city. And, you know, for for an indie rock band from Newfoundland and Labrador, you really have some diehard fans. How does that feel? Really strange to me. Like, um, obviously, I'm very, very grateful. You know, it means so much that we have faces I see at every single show that we have people wearing the shirts out and about and talking about us and sharing us on social media. That's incredible. But it's also really weird to me because, you know, I write these songs because it feels like sort of a a, a compulsion. I do it because I don't know what else to do with myself. And I play with the band because it's fun and it makes me happy. So when I see people loving what we do and spending money on what we do on a consistent basis, I'm kind of like, that's awesome. But are you sure? Like, I'm just... I'm just a person who is doing what I like to do. Um, so, yeah, it's very odd to me, but I'm also extremely grateful. Do you get recognized just out and about? Occasionally, yeah, I do. But I think, um, I mean, you know, I do get recognized from the band. I do get Are You Greta from Greta and the Goldfish. Um but I think that also has to do with the fact that uh, I'm a pretty easy person to spot. I'm six feet tall. I got a big old head of red hair. Um, and so if you see somebody who looks like Greta from Greta and the Goldfish, it probably is. <laughs> All right. Now looking forward, uh, 2024 plans. What do you guys have on the docket? Oh, well, we are, uh, we've got a few things in the works right now. So we are going to be recording an EP uh, sometime this year. The goal right now is to start tracking, start recording in February. And then I think our tentative release date is May the 30th, which is fun because it's actually my birthday. Um, 
And we're also hoping to go on our very first tour. Uh, we're hoping to make our way across the island and down through some other parts of Atlantic Canada, you know, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, maybe up to PEI. Um, and so, yeah, those things are in the works right now. Follow us on social media if you want more details. Um, but, yeah, it should be if all the funding comes through and all of our hard work pays off, it should be a really exciting year. Do you have uh, songs written for the EP? Yes. Um, I need to get off my butt and write a couple more. Um, but we do have the majority of it written. Um, some new old material and some entirely new material. Um you know, I think this EP is going to be interesting because 2023 was a really big year for me in my personal life. And so I, I certainly have a lot to write about. <laughs> and now before we say goodbye, uh, where can people find you on social media? Where can they check out your music? Yeah, so we are at Greta and the Goldfish on everything pretty much. We are on, I'd say Instagram is where we're the most active. We are on Facebook as well. We do have a TikTok that we really need to start posting on. Um, and our music is available wherever you find your music, really. Um, our record is called Not To Be Outdone. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. It's on Bandcamp. It's all over the place. Um, so, yeah, just Greta and the Goldfish. Look us up. You'll find us. Greta Warner, thanks for this. Thank you very much for having me. It was truly my pleasure. And this has been VOCM Profiles. I won't let me let my old friends get me down. I won't forget the awful things we said, but I will still try to forgive.